Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, we just thank you that you are the sinner's saviour. And Lord, we want to give all glory to you. God, we're so aware that without you, Lord, we were lost. We were like sheep without a shepherd. We had no hope without you, Lord God. Lord Jesus, we just surrender this morning to you, Lord God, as we've sung, Lord God. You have broken every chain that you have set us free. And Lord God, we are free to choose which way we go in this life. And Lord God, I pray this morning that we would choose to surrender our lives to you, Lord God. As we lift our hands in worship, as we lift our hands and surrender this morning, God, we hand our lives over to you again this morning, Lord God. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that maybe hasn't yet made that decision. They're still trying to work out who you are, Lord God. I just pray, Lord, this morning that they would hear your love, that, Lord, in their heart they would know that they know that they know that despite that they don't understand all things, that, Jesus, you have set us free from the power of sin and death, that, God, you are the God who created all things and that you know us. You know every part of us, Lord God. You know every sin, every mistake, you know, every step we have taken and every step we're going to take, Lord God. And yet you still love us. Lord, we give you our heart. Lord God, we give you our lives. Lord God, we give you this moment to speak to us, Lord God. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would change our thinking, Lord God, this morning, that you would change our minds, that you would help us to see who you are in a greater way this morning, Lord God. Lord Jesus, that you would break chains in our lives this morning, Lord God, that you would help us be free from those chains in Jesus' name this morning, Lord God. Just thank you, Lord, that you know every person here, the circumstances in, they, the, in their life that they face today, that you want to speak into our, our situations by your Holy Spirit. And Lord Jesus, I just hand over this time to you, Lord, and ask you to have your way through us, in us, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It is such a joy to worship our Saviour. I just as through communion this morning, I'm just so aware of what a privilege it is to know Jesus is our Saviour. What a privilege. What an honour that we could know God's love for us. Wow, I'm just feeling a little speechless. It's bad when the preacher gets speechless. So maybe it's a good thing you're thinking. I don't know. It depends on how early you want to get home. Anyway. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. Good morning, and I want to say welcome again to every one of you, whether you're here for the first time or the hundredth time or whatever it might be. We just want to say welcome to you this morning. Uh, we've been looking at a series called The Village. It takes a village to make disciples. Jesus' final command in Matthew 18, oh, sorry, Matthew 28, verse 18 and 20, he says, uh, uh, sorry, I'm still speechless. <laughs> he says, Therefore, thank you, Rach. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the things I've commanded you, and I will be with you always. He's commanded us to go and make disciples, and God has called us to be the church, the village that makes disciples. You've probably heard the saying, it takes a village to make a child, to raise a child. But it takes a village, it takes the whole church to make disciples. It's not the role of the pastor, the prophet, or the evangelist, or the teacher. Their role is to equip the church to do the work of ministry, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, it says in Ephesians. And we've been talking about the village 
it takes a village to make a child. It's been a, a joy to me to, to hear and to see uh, people going through the Firm in the Faith booklet by Barry Chant, which we've made available, and there's more copies up the back table there. I can see about 20 of them there. If you haven't got one yet, please grab one. And it's been a, a joy to me to hear about people meeting up and, and going through this Bible study that just opens the Bible. You read what it says, you talk about what it says, and you go to the next question. You don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a, a, a pastor or some theologian to understand it. You just read it and you talk about what it says and it's encouraging so many people and building us up that we could be disciples who make disciples. And I want to encourage you, if this morning maybe you've, you've been wanting to do that but you haven't done it yet or maybe you, you feel like you need someone to help you walk through that, I encourage you to write it down on your care card and say, I'd love to go through Firm in the Faith but please can someone meet with me and do it and we'll find someone to, to match with you and, and go through that study with you. Uh, it would be our joy to do that. Um, please. Um, let me see some people writing cards. No, maybe you're already doing it. Fantastic. This morning, I, w- I wanted to start off by saying, maybe you've been thinking, as we've been talking about the village, that it takes a village to make disciples. You've been thinking, yeah, it's great, but Andrew, where do I fit? How do I be a part of this disciple-making process? How do I be a part of this, Andrew? Or maybe you've been feeling like, oh, yeah, I've got, I've got to do that, but I, I don't know how, I don't know where to start. And you felt, you felt like a guilt. But I want to say two things this morning, that I do not want anyone here to feel guilty that you're not making disciples. I don't really want you to be driven by guilt in any way, shape or form. I want you to be free from that guilt. But I also want to say two things. that This morning, I believe God can do so much greater things in us and through us than we would ever expect. Maybe you've been feeling like, how can I go and make disciples, Andrew? You're thinking, I, I can't do that, I can't do this, I don't know how to do that, I don't, know, I don't understand these things, I, I, I've never been able to do this, Andrew. How can I do that? And it kind of reminds me of Moses. If you're feeling like that, you can say, awesome, I'm feeling like Moses right now. Thousands of years later, we're still talking about his faith, about what he did for God, and maybe God's going to do something in you. I don't want to scare you, but maybe you're going to be a Moses of this generation. Wow. Because Moses said, how can I speak for you, Lord? How can I do these things? I'm not a good speaker. Some would say he stuttered, which I used to stutter. So it gives me great confidence also that even if we don't speak clearly all of the time, God can still use us. God says to Moses, who gave you your mouth, Moses? I did. Now go and speak. I can do it through you, Moses. So if you're feeling discouraged, I want you to see how big God is. I want you to see how able He is to do things in you and through you that you would never have dreamt you could do. And secondly, I want to say again that making disciples is not about going through a 10-week course, going through Firm in the Faith. It's not about one, two, three, four steps and you're done. Every one of us is called to make disciples and I talked about my discipleship journey, about how I came into the church and it was a young guy who just loved God and never probably had any understanding that he was discipling me in any way, shape or form, but modelled a Christian life of a young person to me that helped me grow in my walk with God. It was the people that picked me up for church and brought me to church and loved me and spoke to me and encouraged me and you can be that person for someone else. You can be that person for many people. You might have only just come to faith in Jesus Christ and you're thinking, I don't even know what this journey is yet. But as you discover Jesus, as you trust Him, as you begin to, to, to see what He's like and as your faith grows, your excitement in Him grows, you'll actually be encouraging those older in the faith and, and stirring them up and saying, yeah, wow, 
I remember when I first came to faith in Jesus Christ. And we are all called to be disciples who make disciples. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I don't even know if Jesus is real yet. I'm just here for the first time and I don't even understand what you're talking about, Andrew. Well, I want to say God has amazing plans for your life. And you might not know who Jesus is yet, but God can, can, can do something in you. God knows you. He loves you. He's created you the way that you've been created for a purpose. And he wants to use you for his glory. And that's awesome. It's amazing and it's awesome. We're going to turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 11. If you've got your Bibles there, I encourage you to open it up. Because God says, God speaks to us as we read his word. His word is alive, it is true, it changes us as we read his word. I want to encourage you to read your word, you read your word, read the word, your Bible, open it up day by day, hear what God is saying to you as you read his word. Luke chapter 11, I'm going to open up, open up to Luke chapter 11, verse 5. Thank you, Jesus. Luke 11 verse 5 says this, Then, this is Jesus, teaching them more about prayer. So he's just taught them, taught them about the Lord's prayer. He used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from the bedroom, Don't bother me! The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you! Is that what you would respond, maybe? <laughs> but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep on knocking long enough, knock, 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 can you imagine like half an hour of knocking, doorbell ringing, knock, 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 knock. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. I wonder if you've ever had one of those nights, uh, maybe if you're a parent and you've been lying in bed and you hear this little voice call out in the night and you think, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> maybe my wife will hear. <laughs> maybe your husband will hear. And, and you hear it again and you think, oh no, they're awake. And you hear it again and you hear it again and then you hear that <laughs> sound. <laughs> you will not do it for friendship's sake. But you will get up and you will run, as we did last night. That's why Rochelle isn't here. We had children that were calling out in the night and vomiting. You won't get up for friendship's sake, but you will get up because of their persistence, well, or because of what's coming. It just, you, you just know you have to go. Sorry, that's a real distraction, but uh, we're off track. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. I just want to pause there for a moment too and, and say, if you keep on asking for the wrong things, if we keep on asking God to let us do things that are contrary to His Word, if we ask to do things that are, that are, that are bad for us, we read in Romans 1 that He abandoned them to their shameful desires. And if we desire sinful things, if we chase after sinful things, if we go after things that God does not want us to have, He allows us to have those things at times to our destruction, to our disappointment that leads to our brokenness. But it, whatever we keep asking for, we, we will receive, I believe. 
It says in verse 10, For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? You fathers, if your children steal the keys, do you give them what they deserve? Sorry, that was for anyone that was here last week. Great word from Chris. God does not give us what we deserve. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God loves us so much. God desires to give us good things. He says, how much more will our heavenly Father give us good things? How much more does our heavenly Father love us than any earthly father ever could I love my, my kids. I love them so much. But my Father in heaven, His love for us is so much greater. It is so much purer. He doesn't get frustrated and, and, and agitated and, and unsettled by our frailties like human fathers might. He loves us and He desires good things for us always. Always. He desires to give us good things. How much more He desires good things for us than we would ever desire for one another. How much more? And He even says that God desires to give us the Holy Spirit. How much more, He says, specifically, will God give us the Holy Spirit when we ask Him? He says, how much more will God give us the Holy Spirit? I just want to pause there for a moment and say, Maybe you've never heard about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't understand who the Holy Spirit is. But the Holy Spirit is the third and equal part of the Trinity, the one Godhead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You might have heard about the Trinity. You might have heard about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost is a person of God. It is God in, 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 it's God's Spirit. And he's, he's no lesser. It's not a, the Holy Spirit is not weak. He is not lesser to the Father or the Son. He's, he is the Spirit of God. And in some places, I know for, for myself, I grew up not knowing a lot about the Holy Spirit. And maybe you've been in church for a long time, but you haven't heard a lot about the Holy Spirit. But God desires to fill us with His Holy Spirit. That God and the Father sent Jesus the Son to this earth to die for our sin, but then Jesus ascended to the Father and said, I'm going to, the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you and to empower you to be His witnesses. And as we talk about being the village that makes disciples, this morning I want to talk about how God has sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to be disciples who make disciples. God hasn't just called us to do it and said, go do it, find a way, you're weak and you're going to struggle, but just go do it. He says, I know you're going to struggle, so I'm going to send my spirit to live within you, to, to empower you to be my witnesses. I'm going to help you to be the church that I created you to be. I'm going to help you. I'm going to empower you to be the people I created you to be. And so the Holy Spirit is given to those who ask him, it says in Luke 11. I want to read in Acts chapter 1 what Jesus said about the coming Holy Spirit before the Holy Spirit was sent to earth. It says, Acts chapter 1 verse 3, during the 40 days after he, Jesus, suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. 
Once he, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John, the, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God desired to fill them. Jesus said to them, Jesus commanded them, don't leave this place, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. And if we go on reading, it says how they went the half mile back to where they were staying and they stayed there. They waited, they prayed, they, they, they sought God through that time. It says about 120 of them were gathered in that upper room waiting for God to send the Holy Spirit. Jesus commanded them not to leave until they received. It says God would baptize them in the Holy Spirit. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about water baptism. And we talked about how the word baptize literally means immerse. We talked about how it's the same as if you were going to dye a garment, you wanted to change a white garment and make it blue. You'd, you'd baptise that garment and, and immerse it in the dye to change its colour. It's, it's not just a, a sprinkling, it's not just a splash, it's a submerging, it's being immersed in water. To baptise a garment, it's immersed in the dye. And God says... I'm going to, Jesus says, I'm going to baptize you. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's not just going to send a little piece of the Holy Spirit to you. He's not just going to give you a little splash. He's not going to give you a little sprinkling. He wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He wants to immerse you. He wants you to be saturated by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just want to change a, a part of you. He wants to, to totally, like a garment, dye you and change you for His glory. He wants to empower you as you are saturated by His presence. We can't help but be changed. That's what Jesus says to the disciples. And He says, you will receive power. They were going to receive power to be His witnesses wherever they went. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He wants to empower them to be the witnesses, to be disciples who make disciples. That's what He says. Let's have a look at what happens in Acts chapter 2. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. They're still in Jerusalem. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Just imagine yesterday. Times it by 10, maybe. There's a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began, to spe began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are for all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, and people from all over the place. I'll just skip through that. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. 
What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, They're just drunk, that's all. There's always some, someone doubting, isn't there? I think we always accuse others what we likely be doing ourselves. Anyway. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowds, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. I've always wondered why God included that verse in the Bible. I'm thinking, nine o'clock in the morning is too much too early to be drunk. I'm thinking, like, wouldn't he have said, like, don't get drunk, like... Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like, there is no appropriate time to be drunk with wine. Anyway, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter steps forward and he goes, Guys, these people are not drunk. This is what God has promised. This is God fulfilling what he has said for, for generations, that he would pour out his spirit on all people. He says, this is amazing. This is wonderful. This is fantastic. But he says, you know what? Don't forget the most important thing is that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ will be saved. It's through God's grace. It's by God's grace as we put our trust in Him that we have forgiveness and eternal life. And Peter's like, guys, this is amazing. But you've got to understand that this gift of the Holy Spirit is available to all who call on the name of the Lord to be saved. It's the gateway into the things of God to call on the name of the Lord our God, to, to humble ourselves and say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. You created me. You know me. Show me the way forward, Lord God. He becomes our Savior when He becomes our Lord and our King, when we submit to Him and hand over our lives to Him. God promised to send the Holy Spirit, and He did it. It's like, yeah. It's happened. It's, 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 it's been fulfilled. Jesus ascended to the Father that he would send the Holy Spirit, and it came. Now, I wanted to say briefly, the Holy Spirit has, wasn't created at that moment. The Holy Spirit has been here since the beginning. In the beginning, God said, let us create man in our image. He said, let us create man in our image. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been there since the beginning of time. The Holy Spirit was not created. He is a part of the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit came upon people in the Old Testament. We read through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit comes upon different people at certain times. He speaks to people. He does things and things happen. In the Old Testament, we see that people prophesy by the Holy Spirit. We see that people are healed. We see miraculous things happen through the Old Testament by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we don't see people speaking in tongues in the Old Testament. When the Holy Spirit came upon the believers, 
there was a mighty rushing wind, there was what looked like flames or tongues of fire settling on people's heads. I've got to say, you might have read that a thousand times. If you've been a Christian for a long time, maybe you read that and go, yeah, 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 that's, that's cool, that's all normal. It's like, that is weird. It's really a little weird. It sounds a little wacky. I remember the first time I read it, I'm like, that's just bizarre. Just like they said on that day, what on earth is going on? People ran to see what on earth is happening to these people. Now, I wonder if I was God or if you were God, what sign would you have given to show that the Holy Spirit had come upon a person? Like, I think tongues is a little weird. Like, I think it would have been more interesting if God said, okay, the Holy Spirit's come upon you, your ears turn green. Well, I don't know. If the Holy Spirit came upon you and, and like, you're, you're, you just started to glow, like, I think that'd be kind of cool. Like, God could have chosen anything to, to be a sign as the Holy Spirit came upon the, the believers. He could have chosen anything. He could have given you new shoes or... He could have done anything, right? But He chose to give the gift of the Holy Spirit, and to give them new languages, to, to speak in this new language, which I find fascinating. Because as we read through the Old Testament, we see that through their pride, through the, the arrogance of the people at the Tower of Babel, God separated the people through different languages, and He confused their languages. But then as Jesus has defeated sin and death, as He's ascended to the Father, He's, he's risen, he unites his people with this common gift of the Holy Spirit and gives them a new tongue, a, a, a new language, a, a heavenly language that unites his people. And, the, and the, the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit is given to, to all who believe and that the Holy Spirit is a sign that we are his children and that Galatians talks about how every child of God has the Spirit of God and it unites his people, his church, and, and we are one body through Christ. It's one Holy Spirit. And He has done it for us to be empowered to live this life for Him. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 10 says this, There are many different languages in the world. And I want to say well done to you people whose, whose native tongue is different and you do so well at learning English. I, it's a joy to see you guys just getting into it, just wanting to grow in God and, and, and doing everything you can to learn English so you can understand and, and learn what we are teaching about Him. It stirs my heart. But if I don't understand a language, I'll be a foreigner to someone who speaks it. And the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Just to reinforce that, when we pray in tongues, we, we, do, we don't think up a, a sentence to pray and then pray what we think we should pray. It's when I don't know what to pray, I begin to speak in tongues and I don't know what I'm praying, but it's the Holy Spirit within me that prays. Verse 15, well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit and I'll also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit and I'll also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? In other words, it's a good thing to praise God together, to come together and lift our voices in song and to praise God. How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? You'll be giving thanks very well. 
but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, but in a church meeting I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. It is written in the Scriptures, I will speak to my own people through strange languages and through the lips of foreigners, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. And he goes on to talk about tongues and prophecy, how it's a sign, and some will think you're crazy, some will be convicted of sin. I don't want to go into that this morning. (laughs) Instead, I like the big picture stuff, verse 26. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. So we see in this passage that there are two different types of tongues. Some would even argue that there's more, but there are definite two types of tongues. There's a a private praying in tongues privately that builds us up, that encourages us, that, that edifies us, the Bible says. But there's also the public speaking in tongues. There's the tongues for the encouragement of the church, that there's a, there's a message in tongues, there's an interpretation that it builds up the whole church. But there's tongues for the individual to be built up and to be encouraged in the Lord ourselves. As we see in the passage that he encourages the church to, to bring a message in tongues and, and that let there be an interpretation. And we want to encourage that in our church, to seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's something that we've talked about, how, how we can continue to do that as we grow as a church. I think, sadly, some churches, as they grow, these things drop away. But over the last 12 months, we've been talking about how we want to encourage the whole church in this, and not just on a Sunday morning, but in life groups, and as we go about our days, our, our, our weeks, that we would seek God for the gifts of the Spirit, that we want to, to encourage you to come and just tap someone on the shoulder that's leading the service, if it be someone or Mike or, or Kim or myself, and just say, I feel like God's put a word on my heart. And we want to encourage the gifts of the Spirit to flow. I believe we, we, we don't want to just encourage people to just yell at anything because people come in from all different backgrounds. We don't want to just give everyone the floor to just yell at whatever they want because some people speak of a different spirit. But we want to encourage the gifts of the Spirit and we want to give people the opportunity to share those things. And let there be an interpretation. Let there be a gift of, of, of prophecy. But he says, if there's no one to interpret, don't bring the word. In other words, a message in tongues, first we, we say, God, give, he says, desire the gifts. He says, ask for the gifts. And we might say, God, do you have a message in tongues for the church? And if he, if he gives us a word, we have a choice to bring that word or, or to not bring that word. He says, if there's no one to interpret, don't bring that word. God does not come upon us and take over our being and make us lose control and a word just comes out without us having any control. That is not a biblical understanding of, of a gift of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings self-control. But we, we are able to speak in tongues as God gives us that gift. And we can choose to speak in tongues or not speak in tongues. So we, in a, a public meeting, we, we have songs and we sing and we have times when we, we just pray to God in, in tongues privately. But there's a message given us, the different types of tongues that the Holy Spirit gives. God sent the Holy Spirit... And he did it. He, God promised it and he sent it. He did it. 
and tongues came with it. That was the sign of what God was doing in his people. Some people might say, was that just a one-off experience? Was that just one thing that God did on the earth? And that was a time and a period, but that time is gone. There are some who might say that, but as we read through the book of Acts, I believe we see that there is a continuing pattern that happened all through the book of Acts and has continued through all the history of the church around the world. In Acts chapter 10, verse 44, it says, Even as Peter was saying these things, so he's preaching to the people, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message, The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. Before I keep going, they saw something and knew that they had received the Holy Spirit just as they had. It wasn't because their ears turned green. It wasn't because they began to glow. Something happened though that they understood that these Gentiles, these people who were not God's people, had received the Spirit of God. It says in the next verse, For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, there is no one that God will not pour out his Spirit upon. He promised it to all people and he was giving it to all people, not just the Israelites, not just God's people, but anyone who came to faith in Jesus Christ. If we look at Acts chapter 19, which I want you to see that is 25 years after that original day of Pentecost. We read through the book of Acts and we sort of think sometimes, oh yeah, this is sort of what happened in that year. But this is over 30 years or so, the book of Acts. And then 25 years later, the same things are happening. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul travelled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus. I'd love to go to Ephesus one day on the coast, anyway, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. And Paul's like, aha! Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And I think these believers in God, they're like, oh, we get it. That makes so much sense. And Paul explains these things. And verse 5 says, As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So this is 25 years later. It's not just in the same week as the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. 25 years later, it's not among 120. It's not among 3,000. It's 12 guys. They're meeting together. Paul explains the gospel a bit more. They go, we get it now. And he says, well, I want to pray for you guys to receive the Holy Spirit. He prays and they begin to speak in other tongues. And he goes, woohoo, God is good. And he's still doing the same thing today. And we could look at other verses through the book of Acts. Now, not every instance talks about how they, they received the Holy Spirit or they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they spoke in other tongues. But every instance, there, is a, there are hints pointing out that they saw something had happened that they knew this was the same as what they had experienced. In Acts chapter 8, it talks about the Samaritan believers who uh, Philip had gone to speak to. He preached the gospel. They received it with joy. But then Peter and John come and they pray for the, these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. And it, they, Simon saw what happened and said he wanted to buy this gift of the Holy Spirit. They saw something had happened. 
It was, a, it was exciting. It was amazing. It was, doesn't tell us what it was, but they saw what happened. In Acts chapter 9, it talks about Saul, who became Paul, and how he, he was blind, but Ananias goes to him that God would restore his sight and that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, as he prays for him, something like scales fall from his eyes, and immediately he was baptized, and then he goes and begins pro- preaching. It doesn't tell us how the Holy Spirit came upon him. It doesn't say what happened, but it just says, Ananias came to that would happen. I believe it happened. And they kind of just don't even talk about what happened, I think, because they just said, well, this is the normal thing. He received the Holy Spirit. We're talking about being the village, that it takes a village to make disciples. And I want every one of us to be so encouraged that God's Holy Spirit is for every one of us, that He is with every one of us. We come to faith in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in us that brings us to salvation. Galatians talks about how every believer in Christ has the Holy Spirit, but the Bible talks about a coming upon of the Holy Spirit, that He wants to fill us to overflowing. Jesus talked about rivers of living water that would come from within, that God wants to refresh us day by day in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this morning I want to finish by asking two questions. I want to ask, have you experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Have you experienced God immersing you in His Spirit? Have you received that filling of His Holy Spirit? Which we believe that the the Bible doesn't say every time someone receives the Holy Spirit, they speak in tongues. It doesn't say that. And as as a CRC church, we believe that the, the normal initial evidence is speaking in tongues. But maybe it's not always. God does things in amazing ways. Amen? God is an amazing God. But do you know the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do you know that God has filled you with the Holy Spirit, empowering you to be His witnesses? And secondly, are you using the gift or the gifts that God has given you? Someone might give you the greatest... The word bike came into my head first, so I'll, I'll use bike. Someone might give you the most amazing bike. It's like the lightest bike ever made. It's, the, the wheels are really stiff, so all the power goes through the drivetrain, and it's an amazing bike. You were going, whatever, Andrew. And you might ride it a few times, and it's fantastic, but then you put it in the garage, and you forget it's there, and you never ride it again. What a waste of that gift. Someone might give you a guitar, and you play it a few times, you put it on the shelf, and you never play it again. What a, what a waste of that instrument. God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit to fill us and for that gift to be used day after day after day after day. That we would be refreshed day by day by day by day by day by day, year by year by year. If you're feeling a little afraid, if you're feeling a little nervous, if you're feeling a little anxious, just begin to pray in that new tongue that God gives. How do we know we're saved? How do we know that we have salvation? It's through faith. God's Word declares it, we believe it, we have faith, we trust in it, we move on. We, we go on in that, in that salvation. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit through faith. God word, God's Word declares that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, He will give it to you. And I believe that every, every believer in Christ has that gift available to them. And this morning, maybe you'd like someone to pray for you. Maybe you've been filled with the Spirit in the past. Maybe you've never received that gift of the Holy Spirit. You've never spoken in tongues. You you don't 
even fully understand it, but you just know that you need God's filling in you this morning. And I'm going to ask this morning if you would come forward and let us pray for you in a moment, not just yet. But we want to pray for you because God desires to fill you. God doesn't want you just to survive through this life. He wants you to live. He wants you to know His presence in your life every moment of every day. The Holy Spirit comes to, to guide us, to empower us, to counsel us, to give us wisdom we never knew we had, to, to, to speak to us and to lead us in all things. It is amazing. The same power that raised Christ from the dead wants to come and live within you. And not just a little bit, He wants to saturate you, to baptize you, to you would live your life immersed in His presence, in His Spirit. It, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I remember the first time I ever spoke in tongues, I was on, on an athletics track in Warrnambool. I was asking God to empower me and God gave me faith to start speaking in tongues. It's not the normal thing where you start speaking in tongues. But as it says in the Bible, as Paul prayed for the believers, they received that gift. God gave them faith to receive and they, they began to speak in other tongues and the Holy Spirit filled them and all the believers could see that was what was happening in them. And I want to ask, encourage every one of us this morning to ask God to fill us, to ask God to refresh us in that filling that we might have been feeling a little drained. There was a week just recently where I, I it was a, a massive week, and I, I just had that verse that Paul talks about, about our life being poured out like a drink offering before God. And I just felt like my life was just getting poured out like a drink offering before God. And God can use us in amazing ways, but He wants to fill us again. He doesn't want to drain you. He wants to use you. He wants you to be a, a channel, a vessel for His Spirit to flow. I just want to ask us to stand. I'm going to ask the band to come. And I want to encourage you to ask God. He will not come where He is not invited. But I want to encourage you to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit this morning. That you would be empowered. That you would be encouraged. That you would be led by His Spirit day by day by day, moment by moment. You can stay in your seats if you'd like to as you pray that prayer. Or maybe this morning you'd love someone to, to lay hands upon you and just say a prayer with you and ask that God would fill you with His Spirit. Just as we sing this song, let's, let's sing this song as we ask, knowing His love for us, that we would cry out to Him and say, God, fill us. Even as we worship You, Lord, that You would fill our hearts, that You would fill us with Your Holy Spirit. Lord God, we just thank You that you have not called us to do anything that you have not empowered us for. Well, God, I just thank you that we can be the children of God that you created us to be by the power of your Holy Spirit. This morning, if that's you, please come. Don't, don't hold back. Don't, don't wonder if God has that gift for you. He says, He is a good Father. And how much more He desires to give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Let's just surrender to Him. Let's worship Him. Let's thank Him and just receive of His, of His Holy Spirit in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.